A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 93, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, welcome to episode 93. We have a big one planned for you tonight as well. It'll be the professor joining me as always as we take a look at all the actions, some Eagles news as well, with the squad being whittled down to a traveling team. And then uh, Pete is going to give us some insight into his weekend, which was a big weekend, he called two games with Benny Holden. So, Pete, without further ado, the professor, step on in, step out of the lab, buddy. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I I very much enjoyed the games that I got to call over the weekend. You know, you know what it's like, Dan, um, when you've done two games in two days, and there's like the the first game kicks off at eleven, and the second game kicks off at seven. So by the end of the day, you'll just be, and you're not sure. And I, I, I did a couple of segments for All Access. Um, I think one was on today. I haven't had a chance to catch up on that yet. Um, so a couple of professor segments coming up over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, great games. Um, even managed to catch a game on the way to Austin on the plane. Um, unfortunately, it was the Houston AG game and not the uh, NOLA Atlanta game. Um, so... You know, I think that there's a, uh, um, yeah, so I think I think it was a, a good weekend. Things are becoming a little clearer in the playoffs, right? There's, you know, you know who's coming in, who's who's coming out. So I think we know more of who's out than in at this point. Wouldn't you say? Well, I think, I think we know who controls their destiny, right? Like, like now, now we're at the point where it's sort of like, you know, um, there are some teams that could actually lose a game and still control their destiny, right? Let's let's do something new. I'm going to do I'm going to do Dan's crazy crypto round where you have to buy or sell, okay? And you tell me this is the playoffs. Are you buying or are you selling? Do you think this team you get on the team, you put your money on them now to make the playoffs, or you think nope, sell the house, they're gone. San Diego, you're buying or selling? Well, you know, so when you buy a house, Dan, you know, just, it's not just a singular house, right? So it's crypto, be, mate. Bitcoin. Dan's Bitcoin. crazy crypto. Yeah. Then I'm Don't buying. I'm buying all crypto because it all goes yeah. up. No, until it doesn't. I'm, I'm buying that San Diego are going to be in the mix in the last couple of weeks. Okay. Austin, buying or selling? Selling. Oh, there we go. Yeah, and I think they've got the firepower that San Diego and Utah have. New England, buying or selling? Uh, New England, like I'm, I'm, I've been. I mean, 
you know, I was on the Toronto bandwagon. I made Toronto picks week after week as it slowly sunk, right? And so, like, Toronto's been my Titanic. Um, and I feel a little bit the same about New England. But, like, if you look at their game, they have so much potential. Like, like they have moments where, you know, they had moments against um, DC where they just look so good. So I'm buying New England. Buying. All right. New Orleans, buying or selling? Man, I really want to buy New Orleans. I really want to. Like, nice. like the coaching job that, that Nate Osborne's done down there, the, the way that team has held it together. I mean, they've got like a really great back line that they can't suit up right now. I know. Because of injuries and unavailability. Like, like probably they're st- almost their starting back. It, actually, it, it, they probably have a full starting back line if we went through it, right? Um, pretty close. What do you say? It's pretty, pretty close, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's pretty close to a starting back line, and that's why they can't score points, right? So the, remember, New Orleans were... So I, I think because it's six road games and they need to make up, I, I think I'm going to sell. Get rid of it. Cash in while you can in New Orleans. All right, tonight's banter. And why not? Crypto Corner was brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop. And uh, we had our military appreciation the other weekend. Pete, have they updated anything new on there? Yeah, well, now, now we've got the inclusion collection. Of um, course, Pride got, Month. Happy Pride yeah. Month, everyone out pride there. Month. So lots of lots of cool T-shirts showing uh, showing your pride. Oh, beautiful stuff. I had to get on there and get a couple of those. But uh, let's, let's dig into some of the other stuff going on around the league. The MLR Augmented Reality Campaign comes into the MLR app. I know you've got the app downloaded, right? Yep. So it is part of the uh, augmented reality, bringing fans in and outside of the stadium. So that's going to be a pretty cool thing to do now. So, you know, for the old people like me, um, what was the, uh, what was that fad a few years ago where everyone was like capturing things while looking through their phone? Pokemon. Pokemon. Was it Pokemon? That's augmented yeah. reality. So aug- aug- augmented reality. I actually lived in a place in Ohio that was like, a, what they was it a gym? Like there was a Pokemon gym, and we'd go to the local square, and there'd be all these people looking at their phones, walking around. Um, so the augmented, <laughs> the augmented reality is is not virtual reality, but what it does, it allows you to use your phone to see things and to get guidance and, and to in, enhance your fan experience in and around the stadium. So that's really exciting. I mean, I think like. M- MLR is really doing some cutting edge stuff. I'm excited to see um, how it goes. Unfortunately, I'm probably not going to go to a stadium. So someone else is going to have to tell me how it, how it goes. But um, yeah, I think it's very, very cool. I, here's what I want. I want the professor popping up at different parts of the stadium to tell you about the team or the experience. It should just oh, be the I'm professor's in. I'm in. I'm in. reality. Yeah. And uh, so you get to walk around and then if you shoot your phone at certain parts of the field, you'll tell them about that part of the field. So what we're looking at here is we're inside the 22. Here's is where this is going to happen. Or this could happen. If you see a team doing this or that, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I don't say this very often. In fact, I may never have said this before, but that's a genius idea, Dan Power. Thanks, mate. Always, that's, always that, got the professor smart, at the right? front. Because, no, because, because the challenge that we have, and, and you know this because we, we get this feedback all the time, when we commentate games is what we need to do is we need to make rugby more accessible to the non-rugby person, right? Yeah. Like the rugby fan's going to come and watch MLR. It's all about the non-rugby fans. So having augmented reality that can help explain the laws, that's, that's really smart. 
You know, they used to have, um, when you had like direct TV, you could press red and you could have the alternate, sometimes commentary, alternate other things. Yeah, yeah. That would be cool too, where it could be like, hey, um, if you're watching now on your, on your tablet and something happens you don't understand, you can like maybe click something, say Ex- explain more. And then we obviously need a bigger bandwidth here, but then you could come on and explain it. Like you pop up on the screen and be like, what you just saw was this. And this is, this is so why you, can, you saw that. Yeah, so there's definitely some ways. So I I worked, I was doing some work with with um, or having some discussions really with Cap Gemini. So Cap Gemini, mm-hmm. if you remember, like sponsors of the World Series, and, and they do some really really cool stuff. And and the conversation that I was having with them was, can you use artificial intelligence to code a rugby game? Like like so you know because you can take the screen, and are you able to basically you know use them use a computer to basically basically go through and code it so if you could do that then you could come do exactly what you had Dan, which is someone with like like the you know you're on your tablet and the tablet would recognize that that's a scrum so when a little like uh like a little question mark will pop up and you can click it and then right there it's like yeah this is a scrum because the you can get you can get recognition software right that recognizes that that's yeah so that man that's another good idea. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's a good idea. No, no, no. So the first idea is really, really useful. This is like one of these good ideas. I do a lot of work in innovation, Dan. This is one of these good ideas that actually has no real practical use. But it's actually, you know, like what value is that really going to add to someone? No one's going to hit the button. There's I'm good at you know. Probably about, yeah, like look at your computer and about 50% of the stuff on your computer is a functionality that you'll never use, but was a really good idea on the drawing board. That sounds exactly like me. You've just described my entire creative life there. Hey, but I'll tell you where there was value this year, and it was MLR Collegiate Draft Players. They came out of the draft in 2020. Uh, Big announcement. Obviously, we're going to have the commissioner on later to talk a little bit about this, but the draft announcement will be in August. It'll be in Dallas, and we're going. Year two of the draft, Pete. But let's talk about some of the stars from the first draft. Who has been your – give me the – the pick that you you I think's played the best, and then give me your steal, the guy who's kind of like, wow, wasn't sure about that pick, but he's exceeded expectations. Well, I think I mean the first one's easy, I think, because I think it's Connie Moonahan, right? So Connor is he related like, to Connor? Is that Connor's sister, Connie? Connor Connor, Connor Mooney. Sorry, this camera Sorry, Connor. is like making me slow my work. Sorry, Connor. We love you, buddy. Big fan. Connor, he's a huge yeah. fan of the show. There yeah, and 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 like he's just been outstanding. Like I think, and you know, obviously selected by Dallas, then went to the AGs. Great choice, um, mature guy, um, a guy that I think is going to be really good, and it is is really um, athletic. Is um, Tommy Clark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been getting think, some time with the Seawolves. Doing he's good. getting a little bit of time. I think I think he's not as polished as, as Connor, but also, you know, but but I think that's someone that I think, you know, could like we could look two or three years from now and be like, wow, you know, when he's starting for the Seawolves. Yeah. I'll agree with you on Connor, but I'll give you another name because you know, who wants just total agreeance on everything? I'll go Justin Johnson up at New England. You know, I was thinking about Justin Johnson, but 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 the thing about Justin Johnson is I think he's already made it. He, he's like he's like someone else that's already made it. He's starting games like like because yeah. like, I thought about him, but you were like you know someone that 
you know, is under the radar. I don't think he's under the radar. I think he's no, a well, one of player. each. I want, I want you like your star, like the player to come out of the draft that's done really well. Connor has. So you've right. now, that, now give me one that you thought when you heard their name read out, like, oh, that's, that's either that's a bit of a reach or, or that'll be interesting to see how that guy does in MLR. Oh, I'm sorry. That was, that was my Tommy Clark. Oh, yeah. I was, I was, I was way so ahead. Ju- Justin's my star because you went Connor and I can't oh, agree with it. Connor, okay. but Justin. Right. So what's and your... I'm going to go. And Andrew Guerra for 100 yeah. oh, percent yeah. another great. Hey, he's choice. in the Eagles. He's in the Eagles. Like who My, would have picked uh... that? When that's boy, you wait until your segment. Don't you dare unmute yourself. Mason Cook. Mason Cook. Oh, Cookie Monster. Yeah, he's doing good too. He hasn't been playing much lately, though. I haven't seen his name on the roster lately. He's 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 coming off the bench. Yeah. No, good guy. We had him on the show too. Great guy. There we go. All right, uh, let's let's keep moving on. So my um, Andrew Guerra, obviously a big one. One of the guys who was involved with that. Well, he was the man on the day. It was the commissioner George Killerbrew. I had a chance to sit down with the boss, the killer dog, earlier today. So let's bring him into the show. Absolute pleasure to welcome in MLR Commissioner George Killerbrew as we address the season thus far, just over the halfway point, and George. Firstly, welcome to the show as always. Take off the commissioner's hat for me a second. How have you enjoyed this season just as a rugby fan? Well, it's been great. I mean, some of these matches are just outstanding. They go down to the final possession, the final try. I don't think from a competitive standpoint, we can have a better product. Like every week, there's storylines. Now both divisions are tight. Uh, The West and the East are within striking distance and we got a great second half coming, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was just a few weeks ago we had all five games on a weekend come down to the final minute of the game. It was less than five points separating uh, the teams on that weekend. So the parity in the league's been absolutely outstanding. All right, now I need you to put your commissioner hat back on. Let's talk about some of the positive things that we've had to come out of this year. For me, the big one and, and probably the most noticeable on a national level has been the sponsorship deals that, that you and your team put together this year. How have the, the new sponsors uh, enjoyed their time with rugby? How have the indicators been in terms of a success for the league with American Airlines guaranteed rate, OFX, among you know some great existing sponsors like Rhino as well? How's that been? And uh, how have you enjoyed our new partners? Well, I mean, it's a turning point for our league. Uh, we didn't really ever have a cash paying sponsor prior to this year. And, you know, that's kind of the problem that challenger leagues have as, as they grow is to try to get, you know, some major fortune 500 companies involved. And we were able to do so, you know, starting with American airlines, uh, which is a blue chip brand that kind of came on board to help us not only as a sponsor, but help us, you know, move our teams across the country, uh, which was really a domino effect for brands like, Guaranteed rates and Geico, OFX. Um, it's just been great, you know, to be able to add those kind of names to our roster. And uh, we announced another one last week, even though we're at the halfway point uh, in Wintergreen, uh, another cool brand uh, that's going to be associated with us. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is we're, we're demonstrating that we can do it. Uh, we haven't been able to do it in the first three years, but moving into year four, you know, we've been able to do it. Uh, we now have, I think, 12 uh, cash paying sponsors, which is a great first start, especially considering the challenges of this this year and not having full stadiums and having a lot of stadiums where we didn't have any fans. So, you know, I, I, would, I would say it's a success. I'd say it's a great first step. 
You also mentioned some of our, our, our more traditional partners like Paladin and Rhino and our kind of VIK partners, if you will. And, um, you know, they're all back on board as well. And they're important too, because, you know, if they're not doing those deals, we're buying those kinds of things. So it's almost like kind of a cash deal. It's a direct relief of budget kind of deal. So um, really, really pleased with where we sit, you know, moving into week 13. Yeah, you, you mentioned fans. And then, George, before a ball was kicked this year, there was no guarantee that fans would even be allowed back in stadiums in 2021. Uh, I just want to firstly get your thoughts on the fact that MLR has not had a single cancellation with sports around the world still facing cancellations because of COVID. MLR has gone, I believe you said, 69 and 0 thus far. Touch a bit of lucky wood right now that we continue that. How proud are you of your team for putting together protocols that have made that happen? And obviously, how excited are you to now see fans not only coming back in limited capacities, but in full capacity again and exceeding attendance numbers that we've seen in the past? Yeah, let, you know, first of all, being 69 and 0 as a, as a league is a really big deal. And that really goes to, you know, first of all, all of our medical partners. You know, we have a medical committee that meets every week going through COVID protocols, but then it, it's not enough just to have great protocols. You have to have people that will follow them. So that's coaches and GMs and players and owners that understand the importance of getting our content you know, out and, and getting a record like 69 and 0. So it takes a whole village to take it seriously. Um, and we've done that. Uh, and it's really remarkable because there's leagues with a lot deeper park pockets than ours that haven't been able to do that. So it, it really, the credit goes to the players and, and, and really everyone that are following these protocols, taking them seriously and getting to kind of vaccination rates now where we can stop testing. You know, we see that now with a couple of our teams and, you know, which dovetails in, into your second part of the question, which was fans. And um, you're seeing the fans come back, you know, to, depending on the city that they're in, to whatever capacity they can come back to. You know, uh, we saw a game out of Utah, you know, last weekend, and it was just wonderful. Like every seat was taken. Austin, who's gone from kind of our worst team last year, being able to attract people to one of our best teams, having over, you know, several thousand fans at their last match. So I think you're seeing it. I think there's a lot of pent up, you know, interest on getting out and doing things, which is great. So I think the second half of the season is going to be great for us. Yeah, and of course, fans who aren't in attendance have exposure to the games on new levels this year with television. We continued our relationship with CBS, which has been outstanding, but Fox Sports have definitely upped their game uh, with FS1 coming on board. But for me, mate, the big one is you and Rugby Pass getting the Rugby Network launched, 30,000 subscribers already. Obviously, you've got to be enormously proud of the, the success that the Rugby Network's seeing thus far. Without question, Dan. It's It's... It was not only was it the right decision at the right time, but, you know, we set a goal, you know, with our friends at the Rugby Pass who do this across the world. Uh, this is the first time we've done it in North America. But we said, hey, what would be a good year for us? You know, what, what would be a good number? And they kind of threw out 29,000 uh, would be a good number. Well, we've reached that, you know, here at the halfway point and, and actually, you know, got all the way up to 33,000 this last week. So, um, what we're hearing, what I'm hearing from our players, especially our international players, is a lot of their mates that they've played with across the world are watching the MLR on the rugby network and hitting them up saying, hey, the not only is the quality of rugby really grown in four short years, but how do we get over there? How do we 
you know, join an MLR team. So it's the live matches for sure, but then it's all the ancillary programming, all the shoulder content that we're doing, kind of aggregating all of our rugby podcasts and everything. They're all out there on different platforms and putting them right here. So um, yeah, 33,000, you know, we did the, the national collegiate rugby, you know, tournament from new Orleans last weekend and just getting their friends and family and, and parents and whatever to jump on that, that, that we had a 3000 jump from 30 to 33 last year. So that's a 10% bump in one week. And um, we just got to keep doing it and keep getting really good content. And then the rugby network, they're, they're creative people. I don't know if you guys have been following them on social and everything. It's just really good stuff. They use a lot of humor. They make it, you know, something that people want to tune into. So you know, hats off to the, the people behind the scenes at the Rugby Pass uh, that are really bringing this thing to life. Yeah, I, th I think the days of like traditional marketing are probably gone, aren't they, George? You look at, uh, you know, Burger King a few years ago with the FIFA soccer where they sponsored that third division side because they knew they were going to be in the FIFA game and uh, did the special. If you use the team, score a goal, you get a free whopper. And, and I love what the Rugby Network are doing, Rugby Pass, like you said, just capturing a new market with some humor and some different aspects of things and like it or love it. It brings you in, your eyeballs come in and hopefully those eyeballs translate to more subscribers for the rugby network. Now, yeah, the other thing I'd add, Dan, just on the linear side, you know, you look at the last, the games last weekend, they were on CBS and on Fox, you know, CBS sports network had NOLA in Atlanta, you know, which was an incredible finish. FS2 had the new England free Jacks and old glory DC, which was a shootout. So, you know, the quality of matches that are on the, the national carriers on the linear side has been awesome as well. And you mentioned that FS2 on, on or Fox on their own volition has taken four of our matches and put them on FS1. You know, that's a big deal to us, too, because that's a 20 million delta in households. And um, I just think, you know, the, the futures are bright with those kind of partners that are really spearheading us. And then you know, the quality of the announcers, I think, have come so far as well, like it really making the games interesting, drawing in new fans. Um, so I, I think we're kind of hitting all cylinders on the linear side. And then obviously we, we touched on the rugby network. Yeah, absolutely. You, you did mention, obviously, the, the big international um, appetite for, for rugby in America is there. And as more players become interested in coming into the league, I'm sure you probably get sick of this uh, question, but it kind of parlays over to expansion. We're at 12 teams this year. More and more interest comes in. What is the latest on expansion? Um, I know you, you're pretty tight-lipped with this stuff until it's all signed and sealed, but what are the plans for expansion, if any, for 2022 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, our, our number one, you know, plan is to have the Dallas Jackals playing in 2022. So we continue to work with them. Um, that's the plan, you know, they're, they're full speed ahead. We could take maybe one other team in expansion, um, you know, kind of a, something we've looked at is, you know, expanding by one or two teams a year. Um, if you look at that with a, maybe a runway to a possible world cup, you know, for North America and say 2031, you can just do the math and see where we would be as a league. So I think it's, it's mostly important to get the right partners. Now um, we're, we're at a fine number, even if we stayed at 12, that's, that's a, a very decent and legitimate number for a professional yeah. sports league in North America. But, you know, if we can find the right partners who have a good stadium plan um, that have a good ownership group that have the right operators in that city that have sports marketing executives that have done this before in North America, 
uh, so they don't have to learn, you know, too much. You know, they, they've done it somewhere before in some other sport, then, then, then it's kind of an open door. Like we're, we're willing to, to accept partners, but if we don't, that's okay too, because some of these cities can't check all those boxes, but until they can check those boxes, we're at a place now that we can kind of sit back, um, add, add one or two a year and really make sure we're, we're getting quality partners to continue to grow this league. Yeah. And, and part of the expansion is not only we talked internationally, that, that's a small piece of the puzzle. American players are going to be a big part of this league moving forward. We saw the draft last year. Uh, it came in and, and in all fairness, under a little bit of controversy from, from the public on whether or not it would work or the validity behind it. I think we can shut the book on that and say it was a massive success as we've seen now with, with draft picks, not only playing MLR, but dominating in the MLR as well. The announcement today, draft will be in August this year. So we're going back again. Excited to see the next crop of uh, college players step into professional rugby, George? Yeah, no question. Uh, I was one of those skeptics because remember, I just gotten here uh, when they were telling me about the draft, which I'm a huge proponent of a draft. I just wanted to make sure we had 24 guys register so that we could do two rounds of 12. That was what I was worried about. And everybody uh, assured me that we would. And then as, as you guys know, we, we had, I think we, ended up capping at about 450 athletes that registered for the draft. And, um, you know, and, and we're seeing them all play. I think I heard a stat, 10 of our 12 selections have had some sort of action, you know, here for major league rugby, um, which, you know, I, I think is wonderful. Um, we'll, we'll hopefully do it a little bit more professionally this year. Hopefully we can be in person. We couldn't with COVID, uh, but um, it's, you know, in, in America and North America, if you look back at some other leagues like the NFL or the NBA or hockey or what have you, that, that is a, a moment that people remember in their whole lives, not only the draft choice himself, but really the fans, because it, comp it, it completes that pathway from a youth player to an academy player, to a collegiate player, to a professional player. And that's drama. Those are great storylines. And we had them all in our, in our, uh, our version of it this last year. And, Connor Mooneyham, our number one choice, you know, is playing down at Austin. I think he made Gary Gold's squad, um, yeah. you know, to on the pathway to be an Eagle. So that's what it is all about right there. Yeah, it is. And, and on the flip side, Andrew Guerra comes out of nowhere. Notre Dame College, small school, gets on the radar. Now he's in Gary Gold's squad too, playing unbelievable rugby for Nola Gold down there. All right. I'm going to leave you with this one, George. I know you're a busy man. But the start of the year, you said you wanted every team to go 500 for everything to be close, you've almost got your wish. This is probably one of the tightest competitions in any sport across the world. The East Coast in particular is super tight. Then all of a sudden, the West Coast, San Diego have come from the clouds, and now it's a four-horse race on the West. Pretty much the same on the East now. Everyone's not going 500, but it's pretty close. How happy are you with the uh, the parity this year? Well, I'm, I'm very happy. Just to clarify, my line was... I don't want anyone going 0-16. I don't want that's anyone right. going 16 and 0. I want everybody somewhere in the middle. So we're we're getting that. And and you know, the quality of the competition, like we said on the onset, is just really, really great. The, what you want really is you want excitement and you want entertainment. Um, and that's that's really what that statement's about of 0 and 16 or 16 and 0. There's really nothing good on, on the on the spectrums, but where the, the excitement and the entertainment lie is in between. When we can have these matches coming down to the final play, the final minute, you know, decided by one try, 
I mean, that is good drama. That's good television. That's good. The rugby network content. That's good things to talk about around the water cooler on a Monday. Um, and we're doing it. So, you know, I give it, I give the credit to our teams, um, but I could not be happier with, with the results each weekend. Well, mate, it's been an absolutely unbelievable year. And I think really feel the best is yet to come. We'll let you finish the year out and try to get you back in again for the playoffs. Once that's all set and done at the back end of July here, I would say enjoy the rest of the year, but I think you're probably a little too busy to enjoy it just yet, but hopefully that first weekend in August, after the full-time whistle, you can sit back, have a beer, and just uh, admire the, the hard work you and your team have done this year to make this happen, mate. Yeah, I appreciate it, Dan. You know, let's, if, you know, wherever the finals will be on August the 1st, you know, going live on CBS in prime time, you know, that'll be a proud moment for really everyone and for everyone in this league. Uh, that was the goal when we started out, is to get all these matches in. And, like, here we are at the halfway point with a, a pretty good record of 69-0, and 0, but – we got work to do, you know, we still got several weeks left, but if we can get to, you know, August the 1st and a, and a live television audience on CBS network, not CBS sports network, but you know, the same CBS that the PGA tour is on and the NFL, that'll be a great day for this league. Tell Jim Nance to stay at home. I've got that weekend covered. <laughs> I think you're probably, you probably have the advantage on that one. Jim Nance probably wouldn't know what to say. Uh, hello friends. I'm sure he'd start with that. Jim Nance. Well, George, appreciate you coming on, mate. As always, great to have you on the show. Great to talk and catch up and talk all things Major League Rugby. And uh, we will see you again, hopefully around the finals time, mate. Sounds great, Dan. Thanks. There you go. Well, you got you, Pete. Firstly, he mentions it 69 and 0. We have not had a cancellation yet. Uh, Incredible. Uh, well, so, so, so two things that um, George said at the start of the season, he goes, um, I want us to have played all the games and have the final on big, big CBS in August. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen. And then he wanted every team to go eight and eight. And actually like, it's not, not far, far off. off. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, we chatted, we chatted about that. I said, still go eight and eight. <laughs> you, you're close. You're going to get it close. So definitely. He goes, well, he goes, I just didn't want anyone to go. Oh, and 16 or 16 and oh, and he goes, I've got that already. So he's ticked that yeah. box and the eight to eight thing. It's going to be quite, and and obviously it's set up perfectly because I'll get your thoughts on this a little later, Pete. But it's a to me it feels like a four horse race in each conference now. There's four teams that realistically can push for a for a spot in the semis, and then further push for a spot in the finals as well. So um, yeah, the only thing I would say, Dan, is that like I'm not like making any predictions about what happens in the East. I mean, Atlanta and New York could both go on like three game losing streaks. No, I really, I think Atlanta cemented themselves. I, I think the last couple of weeks have shown them backing up. We'll talk about this in review, but them backing up after that LA win the way they did. That no, was I a agree. I agree great performance. That. So to me, they've like born flag in the ground. They're the number one team in the East, um, ready to crown them and watch them lose this weekend. Like you said, I've just ruined it. But one of the teams making a charge is from the West Coast. And no surprise that our player of the week comes from this team. When he plays, they look like a totally different team. Like they could take on any team in the MLR and win. And to have a player of that importance is obviously always a great thing. So let's bring you in. First time, Pete. I am shocked. This is the no first way. time. This is the first time? I'm pretty sure we haven't had him on the show before. But That is his first time as player of the week. And to, to the point, 
He was runner-up for two awards in 2019. He was the runner-up for back of the year and the runner-up and for player of the player year. Of the year. And, yeah, it, and he wasn't player crazy. of the week at any point. I think there might have been a flaw in the selection process. Maybe. I think we – no. We'll blame Statsboy. Damn it, Statsboy, what are you doing? Come on. Now let's just bring him in anyway. Joe Peterson, he sat down with the professor earlier today. Well, thank you, Joe Peterson, for joining us on MLR Kickoff. Thank you, Peter. Good to good to be with you guys. How's it, Aaron? Um, we're doing we're all doing well. So, uh, before we get into the season, and, and obviously a great win this this past weekend, um, and Player of the Week honors, I want to talk to, talk um, to you a little bit about what keeps bringing you back. I mean, I mean, you've you've played rugby for a long time. You've you've played at the top level. You know, what keeps bringing you back to the Legion? What keeps bringing you back to Major League Rugby? Look, I think, you know, being being involved in rugby, uh, we all know once it's over, it's over. So I, I do think sometimes you do squeeze the towel dry a little bit much. But, um, you know, being in Southern California is not the worst place to be in the world. It's, it's actually really appealing. It's really nice. But on top of that, we've got a really interesting uh, bunch of, not on field only, but bunch of, people you know in our team you know from the ownership down you know to the players so it's it's become it's become almost like a, a family away from home so it's really easy to come back and it's really something you know staying involved and being involved that's that's uh, been a big a big draw card for me now you guys have had um a, 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 at, the, at the very least an, a, an up and down season or maybe a down and up season can you um talk a little bit about what what's changed over the last few weeks that have put you on this winning streak yeah i think the last the last few weeks um a few things have come together obviously that we would have wanted to to happen earlier and you know through no fault of anyone it's just been it's just the consistency having you know consistent players in the same position from week to week and um, this is something we've had now for four weeks in a row and i think it has shown so i think that's been the biggest contributing factor was there um, a point in the season where, you know, you guys got together, Zach and Scott got you guys together and said, hey, there's like, we're getting to the point of no return. I mean, you guys lost um, to the Seawolves, right? Which, which at the time, I think, was um, a, a pretty big upset. The Seawolves weren't playing well. Was there a moment when you guys got together and were like, all right, we need to go on a run? Or was it really just... The consistency, having you very beaten up early on in the season, and having those players come back. Yeah, look. Also, the the Seahawks they've won it twice, so you can't you can't negotiate or you know argue the the fact that they are supposed to be a, a good team. And like we've experienced, teams go through through those ups and downs. Um, at the time, I think the Seahawks game we we really had you know a, a thin amount of players available. So that was also a contributing factor. But I think the biggest one um, for us has been consistency, as you've now mentioned. But also, every loss has been a personal one for us. So it's not like we didn't wait for three or four losses before we went, hey, guys, you know, someone needs to put up the hand. What's wrong? What's happening? For us, it's, you know, every loss, the first one, in New, you know, against New York in Vegas, that already was alarming for us. And we take it personal. Um, so irrespective of the results, we're also going to, you know, every game, whether we win or lose, whether we've had the four four wins on the trot, we are going to go and say, hey, guys, 
wipe all that clean, whether it was a win or a lose, we're focusing on the next one and we take it personal and that's what it is for us. So I think the fact that we did have multiple negative, you know, results, it spurred us on, you know, to be a bit better and, and to get back to where we were. Now, now you talked about being in Vegas and this past weekend, we had sort of like the two nomad teams, right? So we have Toronto that haven't been home for like, well, you know, 12, 14 weeks. And we had um, the Legion that was in Vegas for the first half. And even when you went home, was still sort of like trying to find your, um, your, uh, um, that your home turf, right? So this weekend you get to play in Carrero Stadium, which I think I'm sure is very exciting for, for, for you and the rest of the team. Um, so let's, but let's talk about this game against Toronto. Can you talk a little bit about what you expected from them and then how you think you were able to pull away? Look, I, I, do, I do think um, off-field stuff can make a difference. Um, I think there's a reason why the best teams all over the world has the best training facilities and are the best situation from a team perspective. So I do think that's, that is a big impact. But if you look at Toronto, just from standing at, at the back um, on defense, for instance, I really think Toronto is one of the biggest tests we've had so far. And I think they're a really well-coached team. I think, unfortunately for them, they're away from home. Um, if you put it into perspective, we're playing another away game this week against Utah, and then we're back uh, at Torero next week. So up until now, we've... Up until now, we've also just been on the road. So we haven't had a, a real home game, um, let alone spectators. So I do, I do, I do, there's a lot of similarities. And if you look at the game at one stage, you know, I think between about 40 and 60 minutes, it was blow for blow, you know. So there's, I really, I really do rate them as a team. And I feel quite bad that they've also had a few bad results. Because if you look at, at years, you know, before, we haven't beaten Toronto ever. So this is our first win against Toronto. So it, it's a much bigger game than what you might have think on, you know, on, on TV. So for us, it was a really personal, again, big game, big one to take a step, another difficult travel because it's a connection flight, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's a long travel to get there. Um, so <laughs> great result for us. But again, it's a, it's, you can't take anything away from that team. Obviously, some uncomfortable stuff off the field, but a really, really good coach, well-coached team. Now, you know, we, uh, um, I called that game with Ben Holden and we got to choose the man of the match and, and you know, we chose you, but it was like Josh Ferno was right there until you made that last kick, which pulled, which pulled it to your side. Um, I think you and Josh, you guys roommates, is that what I understand? Is he, does he live with you? No, we're not, we're roommates on tour. On tour, um, sorry, on tour, that's right. Those big guys, aren't they big snorers? Look, I've, I've got an eight-year-old boy, so whenever I go on tour, when I sleep, I sleep, so I don't hear anything. Um, no, so uh, Ferno is my, is my roommate, and I hope you caught it in the after-match uh, interview. Like, I was like, give this thing to, to Ferno. Yeah, that's exactly what you said. And he was right there. You should, if you'd missed that last kick, you'd have probably got it. Thanks for, thanks for the pressure on the kick. But no, look, it's, for, for me, it was, I, I find it, I find it, uh, not to be disrespectful, but I sometimes find it weird on how they decide who's man of the match um, because it, it does sometimes feel like your grandmother or your mom's voting for you. Well done, you made a kick, you made it, you scored a try, um, you, you made one tackle, so no one's counting. I mean, how many tackles Saw made or, you know, how many ball carries Dan had to do or Paddy scrumming. So it's, right. it's, it's a nice accolade, but it's also something that you take in your stride as, as part of the team. You know, if it wasn't for my roommate, Josh, then I wouldn't have had front football. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, 
And, and I actually thought the game was won in the forwards, right? I mean, your forwards pretty much, I mean, um, Pippaletti created two tries basically on his own, right? Um, I, I think that it was sort of like an unusual game for the Legion in the sense that, you know, your forwards really stepped up. And, and can you talk a little bit about the addition of Paddy Ryan and Josh Ferno, and then we had um, Franklin and Pryor that have come in. Can you talk a little bit about how, how what an impact that has had on the pack? Yeah, the, the impact of the pack is always going to be, you know, that's that's how you see how, how good your backs can play. You know, so good backs behind a difficult pack is a, is a difficult thing. And obviously playing a bit more in the front over the weekend was part of the plan because it was it was really humid and sticky. So throwing the ball around, you saw the amount of handling errors. So the additions of having Paddy Ryan, you know, it's 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 not always just a skill-based thing, um, but the experience-based, you know, in terms of having been in situations before, you know, having a stable scrum and having Paddy Ryan there, having a defensive a momentum stopper in Paddy Ryan, as well as momentum on a ball carry, having a consistent um, team, but also consistent lineouts with someone like Josh, um, and then you know getting the extra additions. It's not like we're struggling having Sam and um, Chris Robshaw, you know, to get Dan Pryor in as well. So it's it's really all extra pieces of of experience, extra pieces of advice, extra you know planning, and and extra things that that you can do on the field. That yes, there might be other guys equally good in terms of skill and ability, but it's a bit of experience. You know, when you're under the pump, when you've had four or five losses, how do you recover from that? So it's it's really nice. And then again, as a backline and the first receiver from good ball, it gives us the opportunity to do our best. Well, let's talk about the, the rest of the season because it kind of feels a little bit like the rest of your season might um, hinge on the game this week against Utah. Utah in that second place seem to be, um, you know, control their own destiny, right? Um, but this is a really must-win game for you guys to be able to close that gap. Utah, very exciting team. Didn't play well, but pulled out the win against Seattle. What do you think that you expect to see against Utah coming up this weekend? Yeah, I think, as you said earlier, you know, with our slip-up against the Seahawks, you just saw it this last weekend. Utah's really a team that's riding high. They're doing well. They lots of momentum behind them. Um, you know, they've had good results, and they're two places ahead of us on the log. But again, they almost lost it up until minute 79 against the Seahawks. So you can never write the Seahawks off. There's a reason they have two championship rings. So um, I think going into the Utah game, there's a few things to take into consideration. It is a different game to last week where it's, it's, it's again, a away game, but it's also high altitude, dry. Um, it won't be as humid. It will be a faster pitch. Um, I do think with Mikey Teo at the back, they do like to run, run the ball. Um, they've got a really well-balanced team, as we saw when we played them in Los Angeles. Um, also a close match, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna come come into play where we look at you know like the forwards. How will that how will that you know go for us? How will we utilize that? How will we utilize the backs? How will the game plan change compared to what we did last week in a sticky situation? So I think we can expect a lot of counter attacks with Mikey there. I know Mikey hates kicking, so um, we you he's know, gone a lot better at it. You you must have given him some tips because. His kicking is a lot better than it than it has been in the past. No, no, Mikey, Mikey can kick. It's just that preference. Um, I think if you've you don't have to have a gun against his head, he'll run it. So um, <laughs> Mikey, Mikey is a phenomenal attacker. He's a good guy, um, and he's got a really good kicking game. He's got a good aerial game. It's just he knows what excitement he can bring, and and he's going to do it. So 
Um, I think I think we'll have a different challenge this week. Where, in my opinion, Toronto has probably been the best kicking team that we've played uh, um, against. So this might be a different challenge from a backs point of view, and then from a forwards point of view, obviously it's going to be how the how the backs weigh up against each other. So, so before we get into um, some some fun questions about your teammates, um, the last the last thing I want to ask about on field play is about um, Ethan McVeigh, and and here's a local product from Southern California, high school player of the year, went and played in Cardiff. You've been devastated with your injuries, and he comes on. Can you talk a little bit about how he stepped in and how well he's done? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's like multiple you know avenues we can go down with Ethan. Um, first of all, the importance of having uh, local talent come through, you know, local talent showing that you can be on par with, you know, international talent. And, and obviously he's got an advantage of having been in, in Wales for three, three years or so. Um, he stepped into the Legion team um, when Nate Augsburger was down, um, you know, Carla was carrying all the weight. So that split, being able to, to, to give, you know, Dual relation, you know, responsibilities to both uh, Ethan and Carlo really helps both of them because um, that also feeds off feeds off each other. I think Carlo came in at a great time when the ship started turning. Um, some extra additions in the forward again, like we said, playing behind the pack that's going forward. So I think for the future, excuse me. <coughs> so I think for the future, Ethan being a local guy is a really, really, really good thing for American rugby to show how you can come through the system make an impact and be part of the pro setup. Great. That's great. Yeah, it's exciting to see players like that come through Scrum Half. I think a couple of years ago, it was Mike Petrie and we didn't know who else it was. And now we've got a whole bunch of yeah. um, American Scrum Halves playing uh, um, playing Major League Rugby, which is great. So let's get into, um, I'm sorry Dan Powell's not here because this is his favorite part. And I will try and channel my best no um, social media. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm just going to give you one social media question. Um, so... Uh, who is the number one um, Instagram follow that we should have on the Legion? And who's the pretender? Who's the person that thinks that they're good at social media but isn't? <laughs> so basically, I'm going to reward someone and I'll throw someone under the bus. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Pretty much <laughs> that's that. No, to be honest, I, I do think Sam does a really good job at social media. He doesn't he pretend really does, at all. Yeah. Um, I, I think no one in American rugby wouldn't follow Sam. Um, he's authentic. He, he's got interesting content. He does everything rugby-wise, but then also a lot of stuff outside. You know, tries to be a coffee connoisseur, um, or what do you call it, a barista. Um, enjoys his surf, always on a skateboard, always doing something. So really good content. Shit, the pretenders, I'm going to have to burn a forward here. I'm just trying to think who. Um, my roommate hides. Uh, I hardly think people know where he hides his surf pics on, on Instagram. Yes, I don't want to burn someone because this will come back to me in a bad way. Um, right, I mean, I mean, well, well, you should burn an outside back, right? Because the outside back has to rely on you anyway, right? They're not going to get the ball, right? So it should be really on the outside back. I do defend at 15, so I do rely on the wings a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think um, let's, let's throw Sissel under the bus. I think okay. Sissel is a great guy. He can take it on the chin. Um, he's got a really healthy following. Um, it also helps that he's played in a superstar South African sevens team. So maybe he, he stole some followers of, of other guys. Um, really good guy in rugby, really good guy in the team. Comes with a whole different personality because he's a really funny guy. Um, 
but from social media point of view, I'm going to go low on his content. So okay. right. coaching content, I'd have to burn Sissel. All right. All right. So you have, you have one more chance to, to, to build someone up and one more chance to throw, throw someone under the bus. So you got to play Utah this weekend. Um, there's a problem with the plane. You guys have to jump in cars and you got to drive there, right? So, so who do you want to be your navigator on that drive to Utah? And who do you want in the back seat? Because then, you know, the, if you follow them, you're never going to get to, to um, you're never going to get Salt Lake City to play the game. I think I think Ferner will have to be in a trailer because he doesn't take travel changes really well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. I think Dean is very consistent uh, with his emotions. Dean will be a really good motivator in the front uh, as a navigator. So Dean okay. Muir in the front, Josh Ferner in the back. Okay, that's great. Well, um, Joe, thank you so much for joining us here. It's uh, going to be an exciting run. You guys are getting healthy. You're playing well, um, you know, and it's going to be exciting to see you guys push for that playoff spot. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. There you go. Big I, Joe. I'll just say... Like it's really annoying to have someone who is good looking, yeah. really good at rugby, yeah, and like so nice. Like, yeah. like, like you kind of like he's just. He's what about Joe though? Guy. Like enough, enough about me. What about Joe? What do you think of Joe? <laughs> I mean, it's just in interesting to hear him. Like, it's obviously playing in um, San Diego and playing for the Legion is important to him. Like, you know, I was wondering if he was going to come back, but I don't think there was any doubt in, in his mind. And, you know, it's it's the MLR is just a perfect spot for him. And it has been. He's just such a wonderful player. And, and you're right, Dan, you know, without Joe Peterson, San Diego doesn't win. That's kind of what we've learned this year. Yeah, he, he put up a clip of him playing against the British and Irish Lions recently, like as a kid. And it's crazy. He's got this big mop of blonde hair and he's scoring a try. And it's like, wow, he's still going and he's just getting better and better. He's, it's amazing to watch him play. One of my favorite players to watch play. And uh, yeah, it's it, no it's, surprise. It, he, yeah. And he's, I mean, he, he's such a good guy and he's, he's smart. Like he, he's one of these guys that you talk to him. I mean, we chat to him a little bit afterwards. He has business interests. He has his uh, um, wildlife, you know, interests. He, yeah. he does all, all this cool stuff. I mean, he's a bit of, like I said, He's annoying. He's like the sort of person that 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 my dad hoped I would grow up to become. <laughs> let's, let's hope he has bad BO or something. I have to ask Sam or something like that. Something, something like bad that. breath. But, yeah, well, let's 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 do this. Let's work really hard to get another San Diego player on as player <laughs> of the week, and then we'll just be like, tell us all the bad stuff about. There's got to be something like like let's have let's let's send a PI down to San Diego and see what we can find out. I, I'm not, I don't like our chances, but we can try. All right, let's jump into the games in the weekend. We've already mentioned a few of them, but we'll, we'll do a, a quick run through here because it is a long show tonight. Austin, Houston. Well, the misery continues for Sabercats fans. They go down 28-9. Huge win for Austin, though, to stay in touch on the West. Um, I'm looking at the run home for Austin. It's a difficult run home, so they had to win this game. Hey, Pete. Hey, they don't, got it done. Don't, don't ruin the, like, there's a, there's a segment later. Don't don't ruin it. What? Hang on. We have a playoff you... outlet for the Western Conference. Oh yeah, no, it was a tease. They call that's what they call it in industry a tease. But Austin get a win, Pete, and uh, much needed down there. Yeah, I mean they actually played really well. I mean they scored twenty eight points, which for them is a lot. Um, Houston were terrible. 
Like this is the game that I watched. I mean, uh, when we, you know, when as a coach, um, you'll you'll hear lots of coaches talk about shape and they'll talk about attacking shape. And when you have an attacking shape, what you really try to do is you make sure that whenever a ball carrier takes the ball into contact, there are supporters next to them to make sure you win the ball. So when you think about how you attack, you don't just think about what you know what the runner's going to do. You think about how how we win the ball. And there was no shape. Houston like they gave up six breakdown steals and it was just yeah it was it was it was poor I mean I Austin actually looked really really good I mean Kurt Morath at 10 he's been playing a lot of 12 kind of mm-hmm. like him at 10 um uh you know Frank Halai I mean you know when he's fit that guy just is is um is brutal and Domakina had had a really really good game almost um uh, scored a try, but really actually looked like a like a pretty um, exciting prospect over the next couple of years for the US. Yeah, good to see them back, and they've got a lot of players out right now too. So if Austin can get healthy, then then yeah, it'll, it'll put them in good stead. All right, uh, let's move on. Atlanta eight, Nola seven. Now looking at that score, you think this is a pretty boring game. Uh, it was not. It was a defensive masterpiece from ATL. And I know you're going to dig into the stats here that will just prove how good ATL were to win this game. Well, I mean, it was also a pretty good defensive masterpiece from NOLA, right? Correct. ATL scored their only try from a kick. So, you know, um, NOLA... Well, had if, you're no- if you're a NOLA fan, Pete, did they score a try off a kick? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that... So, you know, 93% tackle completion for NOLA, 92% for ATL, but ATL had more than double the number of tackles. They had 180 tackles yeah. and 92%, which is just nuts. So um, crazy. And, and NOLA had um, 74%. So NOLA had 67% territory. I mean, ATL was just like, we don't need the ball to win games. So we'll just give the ball to the other, to the other team. Um, but, you know, th- I really feel for ATL because it's another team that is – um, you know, struggling with injuries. They're like Nola. Together- sorry, Nola. Nola. Yeah, sorry, Nola. Struggling with injuries. They're patching together their backline. Um, just weren't able to score. Like, and this has been the problem that they've had all year. They've done lots of good stuff, um, but but they defended really well. Um, they needed to win this game. Um, you know, getting a one point bonus point just is is going to make it very very tough. I'm, I I wouldn't say that they're out, but I would say that their road is tough. And for ATL, I mean, you know, their defense is great, but they're not going to win majorly. They're not going to win the Shield unless they can really generate more points. And and Nola didn't come into this game as like, a, a, you know, they've defended actually very, very well. And, and it was the lineout. I think Cam Dolan's just really having a great season in the lineout. 12 lineout takes, stole a couple, really disrupted ATL's lineout. And that's a problem for ATL. They've had that problem for a couple of weeks. So they're going to have to really work on um, improving their lineout because it's such an important source of scoring. So, you know, I, I mean, I think it's great to see ATL play this way, but if I'm Scott Lawrence, I'm, I'm already thinking into the playoffs and I'm like, we need to get our lineout sorted out. So and we need to look, we need to score more points. Yeah, I agree. The lineout thing in particular stood out for me is one area that they can probably uh, tidy up a little bit, but you and I both know Scott Lawrence well enough to know that he is thinking far enough ahead that this uh, will all come together very quickly for them. Their defense, again, continues. I still think that defense can win you a championship. Um, 
It, so it, it can, winning these tight but, games like that, I, I don't I don't know if they're going to have to score many points. If, no, I, so, it's going to so, score one think, more than the other team. Yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I think the um, NOLA is not a high-scoring team this year. And mm-hmm. so my point would be like a really good defense against an LA or a Utah or San Diego, which is going to come out of the West, yeah. right? Is like, if you defend them really well, you're going to keep into the mid-20s. I mean, those are teams that like on their day are scoring 40 points, right? And so yeah, just, you need to just be beat LA two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Absolutely, right? But you've got to do it again. So, um, and they scored more than seven points in that. They did, they did. Right points, right? So, All right, moving on. San Diego, Toronto, 40-30 in Atlanta. Uh, Toronto, I think I think this probably puts the red line through them for the year. Yeah, what you yeah it puts the red line through them. Um and, it, and it's so disappointing. Like, I, I love the way they play. They really missed um, Thomas De La Vega. Um, mm. Yeah, they probably have the best back row in the competition, but they're small, right? And so their problem, the problem that, that, that Toronto have had this year is that they've had to be so accurate all the time because they don't really have the big ball carriers in their type five that can punch go forward, which is what you saw from San Diego, because you saw like Piffoletti and Ryan and Ferno. There's 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 a number in the stats. I want to know San Diego were over the game line, not didn't make it. They were over the game line 63% of the time. Yeah, that's 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 nuts. And tough to have the office, isn't it? Right. Yeah. But, but, and, and the people that got that got them over the game line are Piffoletti, Tom Franklin, one of the new um, Kiwis that came on board and Tian Lutz who was that mid-season pickup, a guy that gets them to go forward. And when, when Joe Peterson plays on the front foot, he controls the game. And so, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if you saw the game, um, Dan, but we gave a man of the match to Joe Peterson. And he goes, well, my, my roommate, um, and we talked about this when we talked to Joe, you know, he, he scored two tries. And, I, and, and he's right. And I actually think like the pack, like the big thing that I saw, and I think this is what Paddy Ryan brings, Paddy Ryan brings an attitude that just improves that San Diego pack. That's that's exciting. Uh, yep, hundred percent. Yeah, an attitude of culture. You add into that now, Franklin and Pryor. Yeah, it's a really hard edge pack, like a tough physical pack. And then Sam came back, got to play yep. like twenty five minutes, like set yep. up one of the tries with a break. I mean, you know, when you've got Pryor, Sam Wuching, and Rob Shaw in that back row. Yeah, Ferno, Franklin. Yep. Paddy Ryan up front, Piffoletti, Dean Muir's playing great uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it. So this is, you know, you look at the standings and you would say, okay, I can see, um, you know, like, like San Diego behind, but, you know, they're coming into form. And, yeah. you know, they, they play Utah, they play the AGs, they play LA, right? That, like, like, I think they, those might be the next three games, right? It so is. Next three games. games yep. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, that one's going to be a really fun run to watch. See if they can pull it off. All right, moving on to Sunday now. DC on the road to New England. They lose 38-34. Probably shouldn't have lost if you watch the end of this game, but New England, the skin of their teeth. Um, at one point, they were comfortable. They were home. Um, you know, the horse was in the barn. They were washing it down, getting the hay ready, and all of a sudden, They were, like, bam. comfortable. Like Jason Robinson in, just said, tries. They looked like they were going to Give me the ball. Yeah. 
Robbo just says, give me the ball. I'll make it happen. And yeah, he, he nearly was, pulled that game off. He was unbelievable. But New England get the win. Much needed win. They now run into this gorgeous little finish here that has me thinking they could be the team to watch here in the East for that second spot behind Atlanta, uh, given results. Uh, they play Seattle and then they run a bye and then they're home. Like they're home. They've only got one more road game. But what do you think of this one, Pete? So, you know, this was an exciting game. This was wide open. Both of these teams kept the ball in hand, right? They, they both tried to do stuff. Um, it wasn't a, um, a great defensive game, and this is the problem that New England had, right? They gave up um, seven – they gave up nine line breaks. They only tackled 78% of the time. Um, you know, it's, it's that defense might be, might be a bit of a concern. I mean, moving Waka to 10 yeah. was, was interesting, but worked out really – you know, worked out, I think, really, really well for them. But they struggled in the set piece. So this is sort of where you see, um, you know, New England, when they when they had the ball, they looked like a much better team, but they struggled to win that ball cleanly in that first phase. And therefore, they weren't able to get into the pattern. And Old Glory are just super scrappy, right? Yeah. They're just super scrappy. And, you know, the thing about um, Jason Robertson is that he had a couple of passes that were like double skip passes. Like one was the noble try where he loaded and then like had to pass again and still double skip people out to noble on the corner. I'm like, that is some strong risk that guy has. Um, yeah. But his ability to play wide was amazing. Yeah. And uh, I do tell you, it was picking up Stefan Kutsi. Oh, yeah. Allowing Vili Tolitahu to go to eight. I know there is the talk of transitioning Vili to, to hooker. And um, I, I felt he's been kind of hot and cold there this year. I love him as a loose forward. I, I understand he's got aspirations to play in the national and hook is probably where that's going to be. So it makes it difficult, but I love him. He's so dynamic as a loose forward and putting him in eight added another dimension to that pack. So um, yeah, good, so good timing to say, bring in Kutsi. Yeah, there was that one try off the lineup where, that went right through, through the middle where Billy didn't launch. And it mm -hmm. was just like where Robinson like sliced through. And I was like, that's, that's the transition you have to take when you've been a hooker, you've probably put on a little bit more weight. You might be a little bit slower, right? As a hooker, you wouldn't be expected to make that launch with the backs, but as a back row forward, you do. But like, he's like, he just adds, adds so much. And, you know, I thought um, Matembu had probably his best game. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been I a little agree. bit of a slow starter in, in, in MLR, but if he can start really like doing some amazing stuff, I think that'll be important for them. Yeah, I thought the same thing. And then I had to kind of take a look at why, because he's such a high quality player, hasn't played in such a long time. And I'm like, you've got to give the guy a preseason. He got here late and those were his preseason games. And now he's finding his form and his rhythm and he could be a real big part of that uh, team if they make that playoff run here. All right, DC almost came back. Utah did come back. And it was uh, former Seawolf player Oli Khalifi who got it done for them. 29-28, tried the death, conversion from Whiting. Pete, you called this one. Take it away. I actually really enjoyed this game. I, I was like, I, I love this game. Partly because um, Alan Clark, Clarky, the coach of uh, Seattle, pulled out a back line that you were like, what the heck? Right? What's he, what's he doing here? So he takes his best scrum half, J.P. Smith, and he puts him at 10. He puts his best fly half, right? Um, A.J. Alatimu, and he puts him at 12. He takes his best wing, and he puts him at 13. That's Ross Neal. He pulls a guy off the Seattle Rugby Cub, which is uh, um, uh, 
Lawina Buti and puts him on the wing, um, you're like, what's he doing? And it was absolutely genius. So Seattle had a tactical game plan that was based around manipulating the back three, right? So normally, if you're Utah, what you want is you want to leave space in the back three for Mikey Teo to be able to cover. But J.P. Smith's foot is so big, left-footed kicker, so big, he literally just kicked over the top of Teo multiple times, right? Yeah. And there was just too much space for Mikey to be able to cover. But of course, you have a left-footed kicker in Smith, and you've got a right-footed kicker in Alatimu. So one of the tries for Ross Neal came from Alatimu, like putting the grubber on his right foot, coming to the right. It was just a tactical piece of just beautiful piece of work Seattle you know they they in the first half they really really dominated the territory Utah came back in the second half and you've got to say you know Seattle's penalties really they had eight penalties at the ruck yeah that really hurt them like those like, last like, couple 15, in particular right but yeah right I mean yeah. so like, like at the end of the game the penalties got them down in, into the um uh in into the area for the line out and I just want to say Huge kudos to Chad Goff. You were just talking about um, Billy Tolatau, who's a back row forward. He's transitioning to hooker. Um, Chad Goff has gone through that same transition. And in that last couple of minutes, he had two throws five meters out. And both times he threw to Van Buren all the way at the back and nailed them. Yeah. In the it was like, pouring. Was like, like every time, I'm like, you're throwing to the oh, they made it. You're and then I was like, they're throwing to the back. Oh, he made it. Like it was, it, it was, it was like good, good on, on Chad Goff to be able to do that. But from the very start, Dan, from the very start, when you looked at this lineup and you looked at the two benches, you said, Utah have some real quality on the bench, right? They've got Schulte on the bench. They've got Mc McClellan. Like, they've got almost everyone on their bench has started, yeah. right? And, 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 and you look at the bench of Seattle and you're like, not so much, right? Maybe not. Like, like they're all there, but it's just not quite the same quality. Not the international players that um, – uh, that that uh, Utah could call on. So I think that was one of the things that was really important for me. Um, just a couple more things about Seattle, much better defensively, much better offensively. Like, you know, Alan Clark's done a pretty, has been pretty miraculous with this team in the last month. If he'd started, you know, if he was here at the start of the season, they would be in a different spot. Yeah, it's just, I know Seattle fans are used to success because they've had a good uh, serving off it in the first two years of the league, but uh, he has done an amazing job. I agree. All right, mate, let's do our quick rundown of the Western Conference playoff outlook. I will start at the very top, Los Angeles. You'd have to think they're going to be in the playoffs. Mathematically, we haven't crunched the numbers fully yet, but they would have to turn into the worst well, they've team. Well, they got a game in hand, could... right? They're, yep. they're a game in hand. They've got five points. I mean, you know, this isn't a certainty. Like, mathematically, they're nowhere near clenching I mean, I guess they're 10 points ahead of the of, of the third place team um, with a game in hand. So, you know, but, okay. but there's 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 a lot a lot to go. I mean, I think you know the question is you you look at them and they're still gonna play the Sabercats and the Seawolves over the next couple over the next three weeks, right? Yeah, they do. Um, and so, they play Austin and Utah, so there's both teams below them. Right. So, so those are the ones so, and San Diego. So Right. So I think it's going to be like, like, so everything's in their hands. I mean, you know, I, I, the, the odds aren't very long to them making the playoffs and the odds aren't very long for the final to be in the LA Coliseum. Yeah. 
you would have to think so. All right, let's have a look now and I'll go. The last thing I would say, and this is kind of like gets to the next team, the bit of a segue here. It's going to be really interesting on July 17th when LA plays the Utah Warriors. So the last game of the season, right? And LA probably has their playoff spot and even the number one spot guaranteed, but Utah might not. Yeah. It's going to be a really interesting, like the selection for that weekend might be really interesting. And that, that game's in Utah where Utah have been outstanding this year. Yeah, they really have. So Utah, like you said, they've got one less game than LA. The big one is for them, San Diego this weekend. San Diego making this push. If they can stop that momentum and push further ahead of San Diego, give themselves some breathing room, I think Utah can almost say, yep, we're going to be at one or two here, depending hold on how on, the results on, go. On. Are you discounting the AGs? I will get to Austin. Just relax, everyone. I want a positive pathway. The tough thing for Utah is going to be their Eastern games. They play against New York and Atlanta. And if right. they get both into teams that, are going to be in the playoff spot. And then right, they're in the playoff hunt. Yeah, yep. they'll, they'll both be so, in the... And those are both away, right, Dan? No, New York is uh, obviously away. New York's away. They're playing in New York, but they've got Atlanta at home. Okay, that'll be useful. Yeah. So that is kind of where we're sitting with them. All right, let's go to Austin now. Now, Austin's in a unique situation here, Pete, because they're currently in third, so they're not too far off second place. The problem is they don't play against Utah again this year. The Warriors have run the, the table on them, beaten them both times. Right. The good thing is, is listen to this run they have. They play Toronto, a team that's out of the race, you would think. Right, right. Seattle, a team that's out of the race. San Diego, a team that's chasing. Then they play LA, which is going to be a tough one. But then they have Old Glory, another team that will probably be out of the playoffs at that time. Yeah, I mean, I th- and I think if you think, you know, if you look at that, so first of all, if you look at Toronto, right, Toronto is going to be a team that says, all right, it's June, June 12th, we're going to start looking at next year. You're going to see younger yeah. guys. You're going to see maybe guys. They might even start resting some guys that might go with Canada. Some guys might go home too. Right. Some guys might go home. Um, Seattle, you've got the new coach just signed. You're going to see a little bit more experimentation, which is what, what we saw this past weekend. Like Fuji was like a guy we might see again. These games for Alan Clark are going to be much more about learning than winning. So that really helps the AGs, I think, in those two games. Um, and, and also, I think, where the AGs are really strong is in the set piece, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's why that San Diego game is going to be so interesting because the additions that San Diego have had in the pack is going to make that battle for the set piece really, really critical. And we might even find, like, the Guiltinis might even have it wrapped up by the time they play them on the 10th, and Old Glory is probably out. So you can look and you can say the only... And, and you know, they finish with three away games, Right. Um, oh, four away games, sorry. So, yeah. so four games on the road, um, so not great. But but you can look and you can say they might, the only team that might be really need the win in their, in their run is San Diego. Right. And that's, that's, let's talk San Diego. If San Diego can get into the playoffs, they're going to earn their way in. They go Utah in Utah. Then they go LA at home at Torero. Then they have Austin at Torero. I think after that run, we'll know where San Diego stand for their playoffs. They finish with Seattle and Old Glory. So a similar scenario there to what Austin faced with two teams that are out of the playoffs that may be playing 
again, the role of spoiler or looking at a young squad at perhaps blooding some guys for some experience to go next year? Um, I think San Diego just has to win this weekend. You just think, I mean, you think I mean, it's I mean, that? I, think, I don't I think, think it's that simple. Utah, I think if they lose to Utah because Utah's run, I don't think like, and, and you know, it, it, you can't say all of this, but, but you look at Utah and you're like, you know, Utah will beat the Warriors. And I'm going to guess that they're going to beat um, Utah uh, are the Warriors. Sorry, sorry. Thank you. The Sabercats. Um, and, and my guess is that they're going to get an easier game against LA and they might even get an easier game against ATL. Like by July 10th, ATL might have the East wrapped up. Like I'm looking mm-hmm. at that and I'm saying, right, so they're going to be 10 points down, right? If Utah gets one more, that's 15 points. It's going to be really, really like, like it's going to be really tight if San Diego can close that. It's not impossible, but it requires Utah. Utah are like the king of bonus points. They got more bonus yeah. points. Even when they lose, they lose close. And I think that's all Utah would have to do is that they'd have to lose the rest of those games and get a couple of bonus points in each and there'll be one. So, so the only way San Diego has any chance of really having control and not just hoping for a Utah collapse is if they win this weekend. And the crazy thing is, is then you've got to look at other results. Austin play Utah. Someone has to win that, you think. That's right. A draw would be perfect. A non-bonus point draw would be like <laughs> one try each, 7-7. Seven, seven, seven. Seven. Seven, would be seven. perfect. But there's always going to be movement on the table. So even though you may peg one back, then all of a sudden they're going to peg one back. So I agree with you. I think bonus points are going to dictate this. Well, that's where I kind of lean towards the Warriors because they've got the bonus points. And I think they control their destiny. Next three weeks in the West, folks. Just keep a yeah. close eye on it. All right, let's jump into this week's game, mate. Uh, Houston, Seattle, sorry. We'll see you in 2022. Um, let's go Saturday, kicking off at 5 p.m. NOLA at D.C. This is on NBC uh, Sports Washington, CST down in NOLA and the Rugby Network everywhere else. Also, Saturday night is Toronto at Austin. This is a funky one. TSM will have this game live. Fox Soccer Plus will have this game live. It'll be on FS2 delayed and the Rugby Network delayed. Are you doing uh, that game, well. Dan? I am, yep. So, so, so we've had a request that people know which games that we're doing. So Dan, okay. because if there's so many games, they want to choose the game. Like They either want to choose the games that we are doing or they want to choose the games that we're not doing. So, to avoid, Dan, avoid them? Yeah, doing Toronto or Austin. Yeah, so that's uh, Saturday night. Also Saturday night, uh, late one at nine, San Diego, Utah, going to be a beauty that one uh antenna tv ksl trn there you have it sunday let's get going on sunday atlanta at new york massive another, game for another years. one another huge huge game yep the rugby network and then uh madison sports uh msg so madison sports whatever it is something madison square, madison garden. square garden yeah but it's not in Madison Square Garden. That's okay. hockey and basketball only. Moving on. Sunday, Seattle at New England. This is another big game in the East for New England. That's on CBS Sports. And then Sunday night, Houston at LA, AT&T Sports in Houston, Bally Sports uh, in SoCal, and TRN so, so the two everywhere else. Games, so the two games you're doing is Toronto at Austin and yep. Seattle at New England. Yeah, but listen, do me a favor, everyone. Do not miss the Atlanta New York game. I think that's going to be great on the rugby network. So watch that before you come over to CBS Sports and watch the game of the week. Yeah, and then this... and then jump off Toronto Austin at halftime 
to watch San Diego, Utah on, on, on Saturday night, right? No, I just pulled that up on a different tablet because I, I need my numbers to stay up. So, all right, stats boy, come on in. Let's get some stats and then uh, the pickums. Gorgeous Dan was on uh, fire this weekend. Yes, I love he was. It. We will get to that. He almost Gorgeous Dan was close to doing something that he. I think he'll. Did you do that? Did you get a grand slam point earlier on in the season, or did you? Miss uh, that? No, that's my first perfect round. I thought you missed one this week. No, I went perfect, mate. Oh Got wow! Every game. Wow! Great, great picks. Um, Let me so, just quickly open Super Brew to make sure I did. So the uh, the numbers of the week uh, 40. Uh, 40 was the number last week, but 40 is this one. Um, Tim Metcher becomes the second player uh, to reach 40 caps, and he is the first. He's the now most cap player on the Seawolves. The other player, um, actually, I guess the second player is actually Sam Windsor. But Sam Windsor is the only player to have done this, and he achieved 40 MLR caps in 40 starts. Um, so I don't, I, up until last week, he had played every single minute of the season. So I, I need to look to see if he was pulled off. Um, the other number of the week is five. Uh, that is how many lineouts that Atlanta won against NOLA. Uh, they lost eight. So interesting. Yeah. We talked about that with Cam Dolan. Big game for Cam. Um, All right. Uh, let's the, just get into the Super Brew, baby. Yeah, that's where we're going. Um, well, although I didn't do too badly, I just wasn't gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, so you were just moderately good because gorgeous Dan likes to be likes it out there. We'll we'll, we'll get to him, but uh, the professor went up three spots. He's still kind of in the basement at thirty one. I went up a few spots from sixteenth to fourteenth, so I'm starting to get respectable. I'm definitely crack that not- top ten. Gotta 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 get back to you know close to the top. It's gonna take a while though. But gorgeous Dan um, gets that grand slam point. Ah, no, you have gotten another grand slam point this this year because you oh, have, have two. You have two. Um, oh, it must have been in one of the abbreviated rounds where it was like three games or something. That's so two games. Or- he moves up from eighth to sixth. And uh, here's the crazy thing about Scary Larry's lead. He's it's ridiculous. It's like he's. He's 12 points clear of you. Yeah. And he's seven points clear of the next guy, which is Bobby Boberson, who um, is a fan of the show. And uh, Pete and Bob had an interaction on Reddit like mid-game when Pete was calling the game. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I love Reddit. I, get I, I, I check out. I take feedback. I get feedback on Reddit. Those guys can uh, can tell me what I'm not doing as well, and they can – Provide feedback this time, guys. If you want to, because um, I don't have a game this weekend, but if you would like to provide feedback about Dan on his game this weekend, <laughs> I'll text him and I can be the little go between. Yeah, please don't. So here's the crazy thing Leo is number one in the world for MLR picks at 65 points. Scary Larry's at 61, four back from Leo. So Leo, don't sign up for our one because uh, you'll make me look even worse. All right, Pete, let's get into the games this weekend. Nola at DC. Who you got? Must win game for Nola. They're gonna come in. They're gonna. They're gonna. It, it was physical, but at least they were at home. Weather conditions weren't great. For some reason, is it me or is every game in New Orleans been in terrible conditions? <laughs> like the whole. It's New Orleans. Field. It's all. It's New Orleans. Yeah. So I think New Orleans wins this game. Um, I, I, DC. I mean, DC can score points. Um, I just don't know that they can defend. 
Um, and I think, All right. you know, I, 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 I'm sure DC feels like they're still on it, but I don't think they are. I think Nola pulls this one off. On another show, I won't, I won't name it. Uh, I did go for Nola, but had a change of heart. I think once I see the roster, I'm going to lean more towards DC. I think that was a real heartbreaker for Nola. I don't like the way they've traveled. I know it's a short road game for them, but I think DC at home can get this done. I just yeah, got, a, I just got a gut feeling. Is, so I'll, is, I'll go against you. I'll Jameson go DC. Back this, this game. No, I don't think that so. Boy. I think he's still suspended. This will be nope. his last. Um, game I mean, that's the thing. Like without Jameson, so. without. But I think I think Mungo comes back, and that's the one that's. Yeah, no, I think some Mungo of it back. might be like like with Mungo back, that changes a little bit for me. Like Jason Robinson can't. Robertson can't like carry this team on his back like week after week right yeah. which is kind of like what happens so so like right now i would say nola but I, and, and i you know i think this is going to be i think it's gonna be like you know 28 25 i think it's gonna be close one way or the other yeah i agree i agree all right toronto at austin uh, i'm calling this one but i think everyone knows what side of the fence i sit on so pete i know you you're, you're an arrows guy through and through um, yeah, love my arrows. Jamie McKenzie, um, but he's not playing. If Jamie McKenzie was playing, I'd be yeah, all about it. Play. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a bromance there. Um, I think that I look. I think this is Austin. I think they're at home. I think Toronto's going to start making some choices looking to next year. Um, Austin have to win this game. Their set piece is really, really good, and hopefully they've got some guys coming back. The fact that they're still in this with all the injuries that they've had is really tells you something about the job that Sam Harris has done down there. Um, uh, so I think that that's going to be one of the things that's going to be really, really important um, for them is to like get those guys back. So, but I think Austin wins it. I think they win it. Um, I mean, they don't score many points, right? So I think this is going to be like 22 15 to Austin. Yeah. All right. San Diego at Utah. This is a real head scratcher. And this could be like, I need to take a look at these rosters. And did you? Can we call ties? Like, 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 what happens if it's. I've done it. I've done it a few times. I actually don't think I've ever jagged one. There hasn't been a lot of ties in MLR, but there has been a few. Um, I'd have to see the roster. Anyone come out of the Utah game hurt? No. Don't think so. Man, you have to think Utah at home, knowing that they win this game and knowing that they're going to lose Basker, Teo. And Crusade here, right? And in a couple and of weeks, Hurst, probably. Hurst, Canada. sorry, yeah, yeah. Canada. Like, like that's so. one of the things we didn't talk about in the running, right? Utah need to win this game because they need those last two games to be gimmies. They like they have to be easy games for them because they don't have any scrum halves. They've got they got um, Dan Christensen that's played seven minutes this year. Yeah. So San Diego can really make up some ground. Uh, I think they'll be about two points back, even with a bonus point win here, but. I don't know. I don't know, Pete. This one's a hard one. I, I think, you know... I, I almost I, want know, San Diego to win for the excitement of the race in the league, right? So I think I think the reason why San Diego could win this game is because I think that pack is now becoming really, really scary. And, yes, and, and Utah, Utah have a good pack, but I don't know that they would match up. Like, like of all the packs, so it's going to be a battle in that pack. Um, I think Ferno's really sorted out the line out. For San Diego, um, I think that'll be an interesting challenge at Utah. I, I don't think Utah have the depth. I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of like, like there's a piece of me that says Utah wins at home. 
Um, it's the big game for them. They're going to come out. Um, but it's a big game for San Diego. I mean, it's just a great game. I'm going to say San Diego wins this 31-30 or Utah wins this 31-30. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be one of those ones. Mate, Patty, Patty Ryan is like a CIA interrogator. Like what he can do to people in the front row, just break them down brick by brick. Um, this will be a really great battle of set piece. I don't know. I was watching... Uh, watching your game you're doing with Ben, uh, the Atlanta, no, Toronto-San Diego game. Absolutely cracked me up. Patty Ryan smacks this guy, like belts him and then spanks him on the butt. I know. Not not in a bad way, but it was like, you know, like, there you go, buddy. You know, put put that one in your pocket and you can tell tell your kids about the day I smacked her. And and, and we remember this in 2018, right? You look at Piffoletti and you look at how he played in that game and you can't tell me that Patty Ryan hasn't, like, that whole pack isn't now playing two steps better than they were because they've got this guy who's just physical, loves the game, gets around the field, does the dirty work, makes the tackle, does the ball. Like he's just, he just raises that, that crew. And so that's why I'm kind of thinking it's going to be San Diego. Um, And especially like Utah had the emotional win away and they've got to travel back and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for them. Yeah, I'm le- I'm leaning towards Legion as well. Like I said, I just I think it would make that run so much more exciting. Uh, than, yeah, than yeah. I mean, maybe, that like we're kind of all pulling. Although I kind of love Utah because like of their focus on the US and the way they do it right and brand yeah. and, and they're Sean, playing like, such fun rugby. I mean, it was they, so yeah, good yeah, watching that play. mic'd up with Sean Davies. I'm like. It's a head coach right there. Like, that's the thing I took. You sent it to me and you were like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, that that guy's a head coach. When you talk to Sean Pittman, he's like, he's like, I'm the interim. Like, like, I'm wondering if Chris Latham's going to come back in the offseason. That's a good point. If if he does, he should keep keep them both. Yeah. Keep them both if you can there, Latho. All right. ATL at New York. I... You know what? I'll go first on this one because I've kind of pushed the first three onto you. Um, I'm going to call an upset. I think the the attrition of the last few weeks will catch up to ATL. I think New York will get them up there. It's a that's a that's a it's a long little trip. New York. There, I believe they haven't announced it yet though. St. John's this weekend. They're moving home, so Cochrane just has a different feel to it. Though you walk up there in warm ups and you're like. I do not want to get tackled on this. So I don't know St. John's will have the same sort of feel, but I'll go New York in an upset here. Tight game again, like a 17-12 kind of game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game. New York's got a great defense. They don't defend the same way, right? They 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 have like they do a great job in um, poaching. And, and so they tend to get side on tackles, get people to get, get over the ball, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Like New York... Coming off a bye against a team that's had like back-to-back physical games, Atlanta have some depth. They do have some mm-hmm. depth, right? Especially in that pack. But I, I'm with you. I think I think New York gets this. Um, uh, I think New York maybe, yeah, it's gonna be something like 17, 15. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting test for both of these teams to see if they can score against the other team's defense. Both good defenses. Yeah. It'll be like that. There'll be there'll be a lot that's learned out of this. Now New York wins this game, and again they're like they're sitting pretty, right? They win this game, and they and, and they'll be sitting pretty on their running. Yeah, I agree. All right, Seattle at New England, mate, uh, in New England. 
Yeah, it's New England. New England never loses at home. I mean, so they try to. They try to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they know. Sorry, sorry. So Milo, it's got to be New England. I think, I think Seattle are going to continue to play, be competitive. I think the culture that Clarkie's building in Seattle is strong. Um, so I think these guys will come up, they'll play well. Um, they'll be really smart in how they play. That's one of the things we've learned about Alan Clark team. Um, and, but, you know, I think New England's going to win this. I think, I think that they'll win like 32-22. It'll be 32-12 with five minutes to go and we'll end up 32-28 or something like that just to give everyone you know, more heart, heartache and, yep. well, right. God, just, just close it out. All right, hey guys, Houston and LA. Can I call this last one? I'm going first on this one. Okay. Houston, LA. Sabercats by 20. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm definitely going. <laughs> I went with the Sabercats last week. I was like, you know what? I'm looking, the Sabercats, they've been doing well. They've been like playing well, but not winning. Like every week there's been one of these games that's been an upset. Like, you know, and I'm like, this is it. I'm going to call Sabercats. And boy, was I wrong. I like, I just, there's, I mean, now the Sabercats played them well at home earlier. Yeah. So they're going to go into this game feeling like they can do something, but the Houston season is over. It's going to be interesting to see what Heels does in terms of selection and, and what they want to do heading into the end, you know, as they get through the rest of this year. Yeah. And, and again, you wonder if that helps or hurts the fact that they played them so close down in Houston. LA probably going to come out and put it on. But LA's looked like they've pulled back a little bit to, towards the field in terms of like the, the gap early in the year. Like you said, the Maui camp was really beneficial for them, but they've, they've come a little bit closer to the, to the rest of the field. Now they're still, I, I still feel they're the best side in the comp right now. And if you had to put a bet on who's going to win it, you'd, I would still say smart money's on LA, but you never know this, how crazy this season's been, Pete, this could be. No, like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm again, like, yeah. I don't think there's any way LA loses this. They're coming off a bye. Houston's coming off a bad loss in the Texas Cup. There's like it's that LA's playing at home. There's no way. No. You way. can clip this one, Aaron. There is no, no way, way LA loses this game. The bye has not been good to teams this year. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying, Sabercats fans. Just dig the claws into that little bit of hope. There's there's always a chance. Now, Dan, uh, we have some um, reviews. Are these birthday present reviews? Well, they 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 were all right after my birthday, so I feel like it's been good. So, so um, let's let's you know uh, maybe do two today, and then we'll ask more people to give reviews, and we'll call them out. Yeah, it's my birthday today. So what? No, it's not really. I'm just saying it worked for your birthday. Oh, maybe it'll work for me as well. Work as well for your birthday, Dan. Um, Yeah, probably not. So we, um, I'll, uh, I'll read one. So this is um, Jacob Tedders and five stars. JT. How you doing, JT? Love you, buddy. Thanks for listening. Um, I've been following the MLR since its inaugural season, and I um, haven't always had access or time to watch the games. Listening to Pete and Dan has helped me keep in touch with the league and with the rugby in a country where it's still grown. Thanks, JT. Thanks, JT. Appreciate it. What's Who's JT go for? Does he have his team up there? He doesn't, he doesn't have his team up there. All right, JT, let us know who you support. Good stuff. All right, one more review. Get another one for your birthday. Um, all right, so this one is from Sam, the rugby fan. Hey, um, Sam, Sam big Sammy. Says, What's that? I said just saying hey to big Sammy. Oh, you're just saying hey, big Sammy. So Sam, the rugby fan, five stars. Thank you, Sam. You guys would love to hear your Eagles and Canada teams. 
Oh, Sam, I think that might be coming up. Um, roast, two guys with funny foreign accents somehow have a better voice than the guy with an American accent. That's not true, Sam. Uh, you have a beautiful voice. Never lose it. Never you know, forget that people want to hear it. But uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm American. You should see my taxes I pay. I'm very American. Hey, I was, I mean, I was born an American. I have, I, I, I have a US, uh, um, I was born in the UK, but I had a, um, a, a US birth certificate before I had a UK birth certificate. How'd that work? You have to get it from the embassy. Oh, were you born in the embassy? I was not born in the embassy, no. No, but I oh. think it probably means I can't be uh, um, president. I think you have to be born on, uh, on US soil. Yeah, unless you never yeah, show your birth certificate, right, Obama? Just kidding, just kidding. This, this is not a political show. It was just a joke. How good was that on uh, Between Two Ferns when Zach Galifianakis asked him? They interview him afterwards and he goes, oh, I was so nervous. There's so many, so many questions. They're like, ask him this. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So uh, it's, it's worth so, a good I'd giggle. I'd like to point out for all the people who make fun of my lack of pop culture references, I got that one. He did. Yes, he, he does like Between Two Ferns. It's a good one. Okay. So, 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 guys, please leave reviews. We love it. It makes us feel good about ourselves, makes us sleep better at night. Um, uh, and it also helps other people find the show. So when people search for Major League Rugby, um, it's based on the reviews. So please give a review and um, please tell us what you think. And don't forget, post on Reddit during, during the threads on Dan's game. The Reddit community just went over 10,000. So post what? on Dan's game and I will send those texts. Don't do it. If you make me sign up for another damn social media platform, I hate the ones I'm on already. I'm not going to be happy. So don't talk trash, people. Unless it's about Pete. And then I'll actually sign up and read it because that'll make me laugh. <laughs> All right. For the professor, Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, Stats Boy, our producer, I'm Dan Power. This has been episode 93 of the MLR kickoff. Episode 93 of MLR Kickoff, brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.